watch when Hello, you want to watch. My name is Justin the Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen, where we go through ten of the most notable DVDs and Blu-rays every week. So I've landed on the notable tagline for now. Yeah. We'll probably move off of there eventually, but it's better than saying best because that's just a lie, right? It's definitely not the best. I mean, if <laughs> no. anybody listened to our last episode where we talked about <laughs> what, like eight titles that we thought were like kind of crappy, and then two that maybe were good. Yeah, but that's because we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that. you know, it's things that appeal to us specifically, and in my case, you know, very specific 90s, 2000s. And whoa, there's a change today because we're actually in the store for the first time in 16 months, I think? Yeah, we are live. Well, we're not live. We're not live. We're, you know, we could be live. We're (laughs) live in Bay Street Video. Um, If you were here at this moment, we would ask you to leave, but if you could watch... Then you would see that we're recording right now. Exactly. Yeah, it's been a while. We have put the kibosh on the in-person recording ever since the pandemic started and just been doing it remotely. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is a lot better. I miss this. Yeah. We have the Blu-rays in front of us so we can look at the back of them. (laughs) No more guessing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And whoa, we actually have ones that we like this week. I think so. It's a pretty good list this week. So we start right away with the box sets that Aero Video is putting out like there's no tomorrow. You know what? I say Aero Video, but everybody is doing this now. Everybody, yeah. Aero is just one of the best i just love their packaging so much so so much this happened in the dvd age didn't it where people realized people like box sets we can make them pay more and then there was box sets as far as i can see and it seems like it took longer in the world of blu-ray before boutique labels realized they could do this it did and what arrows got down to a science is their whole limited edition shtick too so Mm -hmm. they I don't know how long this box set will last. Uh, at least not in the current iteration. Usually they repackage it as a yeah. They'll just release them one. as like a single films is what they usually do. Even though that they haven't really done these kind of box sets where there's like five random films that are not really associated with each other. With each other. It's not like the Gamera one where they can break it into two smaller box sets afterwards. You suckers who didn't buy the first yeah, one. I know. <laughs> the, mammoth, the mammoth box set. So uh, the one that we're talking about is Years of Lead, five classic Italian crime thrillers. It's like, I, I don't know what the link is. They're crime thrillers. Okay, yeah, right? Italy, from 1973 to 1977. And this is a box set like I had only heard of like two of these Colt 38 Special Squad and Highway Racer the other ones are uh, deeper cuts if you will but uh, I mean I haven't seen any of these yet I definitely like Italian oh I'm a big stuff. fan of those kind of films uh, I was yeah. a big fan of those old uh, Fernando De Leo sets they put out through mm-hmm. Raro Video which were great pickups if and you this want. is definitely within that vein even though that some of them are more weirder ones like no, the case is happily closed is not really a what you think of when you think of Italian crime films. It's more like, what is the one with Franco Nero where he plays a police commissioner? I feel like police commissioner is in the title. It's not an action one. Yeah. And so some of these uh... are like that. And because it's an Aero video set, they went all out, and there's tons of special features. I I, oh, I, I can't see the special features on this box because it has the fancy oh, wraparound yeah. thing. <laughs> What's the point of having no, the no, box no. <laughs> I thought we were set. Uh, I know that there's like interviews with people that made the film. There's probably commentaries I can't see, even though it doesn't have what I always want, which is a commentary on every movie. Doesn't mean I'm going to listen uh, to an Aero, but I look at it and go, oh yeah, I know maybe one day I'll listen <laughs> yeah. to this commentary track. So moving on, we go into the Kino re-releasing Code Red corner. The Code Red dustbin. Because we have The Strangeness, which is one that I actually own the Code Red Blu-ray. This one's really interesting because it was like an indie film 
that is about a bunch of people that are kind of annoying that go into a cave, a.k.a. I believe it was in the backyard or garage of one of the filmmakers, and they wander around in the dark. That's what the film was famous for, is that the VHS, you could not see anything. It's better on the Blu-ray release, and at the end, they face a giant stop-motion monster. It's kind of like an experimental horror movie, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) An experimental horror movie, if you want to call it that. Hey, I I love walking around in the dark, so that that definitely I like it probably more than most people, even though that even remastered in high definition, it's still difficult to see what's going on. The special features on this disc are amazing because they do not like the movie. They watch (laughs) it and they're like, why does everybody talk so much? And there's like on-camera interviews with everybody that made the picture, as well as an audio commentary track. And this is a film that famously the uh, director was impossible to find. I remember in Stephen Thrower's book, Nightmare USA, there's a whole chapter on the strangeness, and I believe that has been rectified on this Blu-ray release. So With these Code Red releases, it's really easy to overlook them, I find, because they just keep pumping them out. Mm. And just they often have titles like The Strangeness, which are kind of generic to yeah. me. So I feel like this is something that you could easily pass over, but uh, yeah, now it's it at the store. Right? I mean, uh, you know, real heads like me, we know all of them. And I'm like, yeah, oh, I mean, yeah, you already have of it. Of course, The Strangeness. <laughs> I don't need this one. Hey, it's a manufacturer on, a de- on demand. You're good. No, this is a re- legit Blu-ray oh, hey, disc? Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, what is this legit? <laughs> Sorry, no, no, legit. Man business. <laughs> I mean, our customers, you know how they are about those. Weirdos. Those BDRs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, even if it's not a BDR, sometimes you have issues, right? Like the new era exactly. release of a, uh, Major Dundee. Well, unconfirmed, unconfirmed, but some people have said that maybe the special features are region locked to a different region, which would be tragic, but... And that, I don't think it's happened before on Aero Video. You never heard about I that, right? I don't think so. So I, I don't know. I still need to test this out. We've sold a lot of them. We've just had a customer to say that the... Feature works fine, but not special features. Well, the thing is, is that the feature is like two hours and changed in the extended version. So maybe people haven't even made their way through that before getting the special features. (laughs) I mean, this is another big Arrow limited edition box set of the famous Sam Peckinpah film that he said, oh, it was my masterwork in the original four hour cut. It's like, all right, slow down, buddy. (laughs) Four hours. It's already kind of meandering as it is in its like extended version. This is the one where Charlton Heston plays a Union soldier who has to team up with Confederate soldier Richard. Richard Harris, their bitter enemies, used to be friends, and they go to hunt uh, an indigenous tribe. Yep, it's about uh, as sensitive as you think it is. Sounds about right. Beautiful box set, though. Oh, yeah, it's come with a little booklet, a million special features, and of course, it also includes the theatrical version, and that's the limited edition exclusive part of the release that, you know, once it comes to just normal Blu-ray, it'll be gone. Might not be there. So yeah, maybe you just have to watch the entirety of both cuts and then it unlocks the special features for you. (laughs) It's one of those things, right? (laughs) Mm, I don't think so, but yeah, you know what? You would probably know better than me working in um, a video store. I'll test it out today and let you know. Whoa, speaking of giant box sets, the train continues with boutique labels. This and this is, is a big one. The Eurocrypt of Christopher Lee. You say it's a big one? Like, like size-wise, yeah, it's a big size one. Yeah, size-wise. <laughs> That's but all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And I'm like... Yeah, I mean, you know what? I just said I'm a real head. Maybe these movies, people have been chomping at the bit for them. Like, do people at the store, they're like, I can't. I really need to see uh, Castle of the Living Dead, which, again, sounds like a Mad Lib title <laughs> of, like, a million different titles. Look, it doesn't... I don't know any of these films, mm-hmm. but 
you put Christopher Lee's name on a big boutique box set, it will sell. That's all I need to so say. So are these all from the same production studio? I get a feeling they probably are, which is I would why they're all together. I so, right? Like, it must be part of a package deal to get the rights to all these. But, yeah, I can't say I'm enough of a Christopher Lee aficionado to know what any of these are. Yeah, they're all, like, 60s films, including, and this is really odd, a uh, 1963 anthology series that was hosted by Christopher Lee. Okay. Which you get all 24 episodes on the set. <laughs> it has a 100-page book, and of course, it has a soundtrack for one of the movies. Of course That's how you does. can add an extra disc on that's, these bad that's boys. That's the Severin way, right? Yeah. <laughs> they I collect mean, dust in the corners. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to listen to the soundtrack, <laughs> am I? I feel like if you like Christopher Lee, you're like a hardcore Christopher Lee fan, and you're going to want everything he's ever done in that's as madness. nice a package Never as possible. Never be a completist for any no, filmmaker. You're not a confused for anything? No. Yeah, well, I mean, if I were a Christopher Lee super fan, I would pick this up. <laughs> if I really like this yeah, thing, I would imagine. definitely try to buy. put myself into other people's shoes here. I mean, it's a, come on, you can't deny it's a beautiful looking it's box It's great, set. and uh, it currently stacked very high in the corner of Base Street Video. <laughs> yeah. Please, come buy our copy. <laughs> hey, with all those years of lead set, we've got like an Italian, we've got like a Euro trash pile of Christopher Lee sets and years of lead sets. So please Wait, buy I'm them. looking here right beside me this is the joy of filming at Bay Street Video and you have a Friday the 13th uh, collection deluxe edition where are we talking about that like they're so limited we can't sell them well (laughs) yeah we sold like pretty much all of them except for I don't know seven or eight when it first came out and then it hasn't been touched since. Well, when Halloween and comes around, they're going to instantly they are, right? sell. Yeah. Well, there Please, was also the are, disc right? problem, right? And I wonder if some oh. people were scared off from buying the first rent. But apparently you can still get it, I think. I think there's copies on Amazon. I don't know if it's as limited as we all thought it was The way that be. the Severn rep was like, listen, man, you got to buy up now. They're going to be gone by the <laughs> yeah, time basically. Uh, you get to them. Oh, yeah. We got sold hard on those Christopher Lee sets by, Se- by our Severn reps. So uh, they better sell. They better sell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good prices at Bay Street Video. Come on we down. We tried. We try. <laughs> it's so hard. How do we compete please, with Amazon? Please. So moving on, we have Todd Haynes' Poison coming to Blu-ray. You a big Todd Haynes fan? No, I'm not a huge Todd Haynes Talk. fan anymore. Anymore? Used to be. Really? I mean, I just... He's like, really Wonderwall, no his. thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. Wonderstruck. Wonderstruck, that? that's right. You know, I never actually saw that one. Not I think that's the, the only song. one. Of his. Yeah, like, I, I know. love that Did song. Did he do an adaptation? <laughs> <laughs> you know, a <laughs> filmic <laughs> adaptation of Oasis Wonderwall? And that's all you wish is like, oh man, Wonderstruck, wait a minute. Yeah, hold no. on. Um, but I was a huge Todd Haynes fan, especially as a film student. And Poison was a film that specifically influenced me in film school. I actually made a, a short film in film school that was basically just ripping off Poison. And really? It like, what was it called? Well, it was like it wasn't the same stories, but it did. It took the three like the triptych sort mm-hmm. of thing, where it's like three different styles. Because if you haven't seen Poison, it's basically three different movies in one kind of, and they're all done in different styles. One's kind of like as a '50s s monster movie creature feature thing. One is as like a homoerotic prison movie, which is influenced by the writings of Jean Genet. And one is kind of like a true, a mock true crime sort of uh, story. So I liked the fact, I really, really dug the fact that he took all these like disparate styles and combined them into this funny, weird kind of movie. So I kind of like ripped off that structure for my own. Uh, Wait, but then film. when did Todd Haynes lose you? Were you like, I'm not getting behind that Carol love? Too mainstream. Well, you know what? Todd Haynes for me is Poison, Safe, mm-hmm. and Far From Heaven. Love all three of those films. Apart from that, 
I don't know. Carol just seems like a redo of Far From Heaven to me, but yeah, not as not, not as good. I you didn't I, buy into the hype train when everyone's like, "Oh, Carol!" I mean, so I, good. I liked it when yeah. I saw it in theaters. I, I liked it, mm-hmm. but as everybody was kind of like talking about it more and more, it's like I kind of just like Far From Heaven better, better. Um, and I kind of like his experimental streak a lot better, which he had with Poison. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in recent years, I mean, I think his last movie was... I was going to say, didn't he make kind of a, like a middle brow? Yeah. Uh, listen, we got to do something movie. I know. And I saw that and it was okay. But yeah. again, it didn't feel like anything like a Todd Haynes film or anything. Mm. It just feels like he's making studio stuff now, which is kind of unfortunate. But Poison, very, very great uh, experimental sort and of And I have a feeling film. it was on DVD, but now it was, it's on Blu-ray yeah. for the first, first time. First time. And it wasn't a nice DVD package from Zeitgeist for years, but they just never upgraded it. And I guess maybe because it is shot on like 16 mil. Mm. It does have like an older sort of look. I guess it wasn't a priority for them to upgrade, but I just love this movie a lot. And I think it should be at every film lover's collection. So moving on, it's Strike Commando. And it's this week's Blind Buy. Blind Buy. Blind Buy. Blind Buy. And what's that? Strike Commando 2. Oh, we got double a blind double Blind Buy. buy. What? We need a, yeah, we a, need sound, a sound effect, effect here, for that. All I have <laughs> <is a drum laughs> and so these are seven releases. They're definitely squeezing our pocketbook. They aren't pulling a killer crocodile and releasing them on the same I'm set. I'm surprised by that. Why didn't they just release them? Uh, the same package. <laughs> That's why. And they're making it because everybody who comes in to buy Strike Commando will also buy Strike Commando. You know Commando. what? I bet you they were feeling fleeced with Killer Crocodile. They were like, we could have released both of these together because anyone who buys the first one will buy the second oh, one. Oh, yeah. And I think it's the same price for the Killer Crocodile set as these two. So, yep, it is because it was like the seven so. price, right? Yep. So these are films directed by Mark's favorite, Bruno Mattei. Or Vince, fa- Vincent Don, I think sorry, that is yeah. to you. <laughs> Not to be confused with Martin Dahl Man, who was uh, Sergio Martino a bunch right. of times. So are you a Bruno Mattei fan, director of Hell of the Living Dead, uh, Rats, Night of Terror, uh, considered one of the worst uh, Italian exploitation <laughs> yeah. directors? Um, I am, you know, and... I think it's because I just love the beauty of a good ripoff, and mm. he just does oh, the best to me. Oh, I mean, he ripoffs. I mean, aliens. It's shameless. Just and shameless. In this movie, Rambo, and in that's this, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I mean, yeah, I was a big fan of Shocking Dark and Robo War, mm-hmm. which Severin released in really nice packages before. Uh, they also put out Cruel Jaws last year, which we talked that's about, right. which I had a lot of fun with. Uh, these two I had never seen, shockingly, although I'd always wanted to. And Shockingly dark. Yeah, shockingly dark. I'd never seen them. <laughs> Shocking <him>. dark. <laughs> but I'm glad that Severin finally got around to putting these out. They kind of sort of remastered them. I mean, they look pretty good. They look pretty good. I, they look great. Uh, they look great. <laughs> How dare you? They look expensive, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of explosions. These films were made with a budget. And yeah. so Strike Commando number one stars Red Brown. Ugh, what a lunkhead. Love Red Brown. Yeah, Red Brown is such a treat in this movie. Probably one of his most famous roles. He's screaming throughout all of it. Look, oh, the entire time. <laughs> No, <laughs> and yeah, it's a Rambo ripoff. That's pretty much that's all there is all to you it. Need yeah, to know. and that's why I love about his movies is they really are just shameless ripoffs, and they're really sincere. And he just what did you think of the most famous part of this movie? The last ten minutes of the picture. <laughs> I thought maybe I was expecting it to be crazier because yeah. everybody was telling me it's like the craziest last ten minutes of any movie. I did not say and it I was thought, the craziest. Last well, 10 a friend minutes. of mine who yeah. is like a big fan of this says it's like the most insane last ten minutes. And it is. I mean, there's a lot of gunfire. He just, like, goes on a rampage. Well, I know. I think it's the epilogue and... at the end where, yeah, you think the movie's over, and then he goes and kills some more people, and then there's a surprise reappearance from someone who was seemingly dead. Yeah, and then a great, like, final punchline, <laughs> yeah. which I really, really like. So I kind of took that 
whole thing. And no, I like it a lot. I mean, it definitely is trying to capture that like Schwarzenegger, that Rambo or the Commando sort of vibe for the last 10 minutes where it's just all out warfare and he's just gunning down people all over the place. I liked it, though. I mean, I, I can't say I didn't like this. And so with Strike Commando 2, it's more of the same, right, Mark? More of the same, I would say. Or is less it? And, well, I mean, less it's not Red Brown. Not Red no, Brown it's anymore. Not Red Brown. Same character. But. It's a guy that kind of <laughs> sounds like Miguel Ferrer a little <laughs> yeah. bit, like in face and voice. It's also less Rambo, more Romancing the Stone and Indiana Jones. It is, yeah. He has a you know, real like flirtation with this you know lady who There's also a, a Belloc clone. There's there a whole is, scene yeah. in Indiana Jones, except... Wouldn't Indiana Jones be better with ninjas? Yes, there some of these and there's this? a great ninja sequence, which I saw you posting about yeah. on, on Twitter recently. Um, that's the thing with both of these movies. Even with the first Strike Commander, there's so many like individual shots and moments which are so perplexing in such a fun way. I mean, um, there's shots at, in every Bruno Mattei film where you're like, why are you ripping this off exactly? Yeah. Like, why are you doing the Indiana Jones like on the top of the car <laughs> thing? Like, do you think... People will recognize it and be like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you are ripping this off. Or do you think it holds up so well on its own, that's why you're recreating it? That is the mystery of these question. kind of films, I would right? love to have talked to him. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I would have loved to know everything about him. Because I don't necessarily think he doesn't have style. Mm-hmm. As a, There's a lot of rip-off artists that just don't have style at all. And I don't think he's that. I mean, even in the beginning of Strike Commando 2, he kind of stages his own, like, Apocalypse Now-esque platoon mm-hmm. sort of war sequence, which is actually like done in slow-mo and there's yeah. all these explosions, which isn't necessarily like a badly filmed sequence. It actually looks pretty professional and everything. So I think he gets a bad rap for being this guy that's got like no style. And I know some of his later stuff as he got into the 2000s went a little more that route, the DV route. But I don't know. He's got a lot of style to me that could, you know, stand on par with a lot of other 80s schlock, like 80s American schlock. To I me. mean, this film also features a slumming it Richard Harris. Oh, yeah, Richard Harris and Strike Commando, too. I mean, and he's can, there. He's having a time, I think. And you can tell that he shot more than one day, which yeah. is shocking on this picture. I thought it would be like a one and done. Like, he shows <laughs> yeah. it at the beginning, maybe at the end. But he's in several locations, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a few different sequences. It's always a good sign. Um, yeah, no, I, I like both. I would say I like the first one better because mm-hmm. Red Brown I find more entertaining. The guy in the second one has that classic, what I like to think of that classic constipated look a lot of the time where he's just like, <laughs> really? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, fun time at all. I feel like you just got a back-to-back. So we're going to do a double-fisted uh, uh, blind-by recommendation, <laughs> Definitely. though. Definitely. you yeah. got to get oh, I mean, they should have just put them in one package and put, like, a nice box yeah, around like it or something. Yeah, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. Or you know what? Put together a Bruno Mattei box set at some point. Hasn't some <laughs> company... I mean, Intervision has been in the Bruno Mattei and Claudio Fargasso yeah. for a long time. They even did... Uh, Matei's later films as Intervision Yeah, titles. Intervision was yeah, big on reclaiming, just putting out all those. Yeah, re- nobody's reclaiming those titles. They're just putting out those later Matei titles, uh, which are truly, truly awful, and but in an intriguing way. So moving on to classier stuff, we have the signifying works of Marlon Riggs. And this is a Criterion release of a filmmaker I am not familiar with. Um, yeah, I'm not. You're going to pass the ball to me. Uh, I'm familiar with him basically in name only, which is a shame because I need to get into his stuff. He 
was a pretty legendary experimental yeah. documentarian from the late 70s, early 80s. From the back I of the believe. box, there has never been a filmmaker like Marlon Riggs, an unapologetic gay black man who defied a culture of silence. An early adopter of video technology, Riggs employed a bold mix of documentary, performance, poetry, and music in order to confront the devastating legacy of racist stereotypes, the impact of AIDS on his community, and the very definition of what it means to be black. Criterion doesn't usually do this kind of stuff. That's right? what's really exciting to me about this and that I really want to check it out for. They're usually, and especially lately, we've talked a lot about them getting into the mainstream kind mm. of game, Netflix stuff, just like big Hollywood movies like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I really love when they put out stuff like this that's more experimental, and especially when it's like a compendium of a filmmaker who hasn't really got his due, at least on the home video market. I think Marlon Riggs is pretty big in the experimental film scene. I'm sure he's big in the museum art world scene. But in terms of like physical media, a lot of this kind of stuff you can't really get or is like institutional use only. Yeah. So it's really nice to finally have these films available because, yeah, Tongues Untied and Black Is Black Ain't are both uh, films I hear about all the time as being like huge sort of benchmark movies in the um, basically in the uh, gay film sort mm -hmm. of scene, the early sort of gay film so scene in the 80s. Maybe like we said, you know, these kind of releases can only happen if they turn around they're like whatever the new Netflix That's the film thing, is right? That, well then you gotta buy Beasts of No Nation a couple months from now oh my just, god they're putting that movie up <laughs> hey are. guys remember Beasts of No Nation no, I know that's no. a movie everybody forgot though <laughs> yeah. right I never saw it when it came <laughs> me out me neither and I wanted to because I liked uh, Carrie Joji mm -hmm. so moving Aga, on right? we have an Agfa release with Shout Factory Ooh, is this, this a is first? our team up yeah I think it is a first <laughs> I assume they're bitter enemies I know I mean it's technically an Agfa Slash vinegar syndrome mm. sort of release and shouts uh, logo is just branded Have on you it. Seen so how many know. new labels vinegar syndrome oh has my in God. their arms? They are it's just like becoming 30. a studio. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I can't keep track. I know. Well, now they're getting into like new movie distribution, but they don't even have one label for that. They have they're like, getting into um, like video releases too through a different label that's oh not God. Bleeding Skull. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, come right. on, guys, too much, too I much. Mean, I love. I can't hate on that. Mm. I mean, they just want to expand their reach, and I mean, they're clearly doing well enough. Yeah, it's better because what are these movies going to be released through, like IFC or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Just... Well, they got some big stuff now. Like they're putting out Shiva Baby, right, mm -hmm. which was one of the bigger titles of last year that people were talking about. And they're doing films that kind of fell through the cracks, like um, what is that space western? Prospect. Yeah, because or... yeah, it's a gunpowder yeah, yeah. in the sky. Yeah, because um, they got yeah. them. Well, they hooked up with Altered Innocence. So basically, like Altered Innocence, Gunpowder in the Sky. Some stuff from Music Box. There's a bunch of different labels. I don't labels think that the company, that though, worked through Vinegar Syndrome. No. It, did they just facilitate that? I think they just license it mm -hmm. out so that Vinegar Syndrome can put out these additions. So uh, we're talking about the new Bleeding Skull release, though, which is The Leather Boys, directed by Canada's own Sidney J. Fury. Your man, right? Uh, my man. I don't know. I, I, thought you were a big, I thought you were a big fan of him. Big fan is a strong way to put it. Interested in Sidney J. Fury, yes. Especially the fact that he made two Canadian films. I know one of them was called uh, Jazz from Hell. A cool sound from hell. Cool sound from hell. Which is, yeah, great film we saw at a Still very not obnoxious screening. Yeah. Um, supposedly because rights issues? Something to do with rights issues. There is like a BFI DVD, oh, I want to say, or something like that. I okay. thought there was like a BFI DVD. But this is the film that he made up. I don't know if it was a follow-up to this, but it's Sidney J. Fury because Canada was not giving him the opportunities that he needed. He went to the UK and directed a bunch of films. And again, it's another like benchmark of like early queer cinema that uh, is pretty well-loved. And this new uh, special edition has a new restoration from 35mm negative. Uh, a short consenting adult, a study of homosexuality. Okay. From the something weird... Uh, 
uh, archives. Uh, so they've yeah. got some of those something weird. And it's also got audio interviews with the stars and a new commentary with Sidney J. Fury and biographer Daniel Kramer. So, yeah, if you are interested in the career of Sidney J. Fury or, you know, like all the things that we mentioned, check this out. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the biography, which is great. Yeah, that's what it is, it's through his right? career and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Sidney J. Fury was fired from a lot of movies. Was he really? Eh? Yeah, he was fired from the remake of The Jazz Singer starring Neil Diamond. Ah, uh, okay. He was also fired from Ned of the Juggler, a great action movie that was directed by, I don't remember who the final director was. He was, in his later style, he started shooting with five cameras at all times. And yeah. th that kind of rubbed people the wrong way because it was just so much footage at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, we saw at that screening of A Cool Sound of Hell, he did like a Skype Q&A after. Mm -hmm. He seemed like a really cool guy, I have yeah. to say. He seemed really cool. He was like in the middle of editing some new TV movie That's or so something. That's so funny to me and because he's like, like, look, I'm still working. I'm There's still working right now. Right he, behind me. Yeah, he just seemed like one of those cool older filmmakers who just isn't going to stop until he dies, basically, mm -hmm. and just has a lot of energy. So, moving on to some new stuff. We have the Paper Tigers, and this is a fun one, actually, which is, it's an indie film about a bunch of martial artists that were real hotshots when they were kids, but life goes on, so they're like, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s, all their joints ache, they can't really fight like they used to, and when their master dies, they have to get back together and figure out what happened. I actually found it really well put together. The martial arts of it are very limited as it plays, and, you know, I was a little bit wary of it at first before I checked it out. But when I finally sat down and watched it, yeah, it works. It's mostly like an indie drama with like a sprinkle of martial arts throughout. And what's really fun about it is that when it started playing, I saw a name. And I'm like, wait a minute. Is that who I think it is? And it is because Ken Kituga, who plays the main villain of the picture and is also the action choreographer, is the guy that um, co-starred and choreographed Unlucky Stars, the film that I released through Gold Ninja Video. So I was like, oh man, moving on up. So if you want like a winning indie drama, a true dad's movie, like your dad will love <laughs> yeah? this film. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's about like kind of like wash of people who used to, like I said, be hot shots when they were a kid and kind of going up against the young people again, trying to prove themselves. Also find their own peace in their like home lives or wherever they are, you know, or because they feel like failures. Yeah. At, like you're middle aged. You were like the best when you were a kid. And, you know, it just didn't yeah, pan out the way you thought like it was Like the going. kid detective or something. Yeah, like exactly. A martial you know what? Arts it is version, like a martial arts know? kid. It's not as good as The Kid Detective, yeah. which is a movie that I really love. Very, very yeah. good, yeah. But no, I heard a lot of great things about this. I remember it premiered at Fantasia last year when mm. I was covering it, and I didn't see it, but I remember everybody talking about it and just saying it was kind of like the crowd pleaser of the fest. It's because people liked it too much, Mark, and because people liked it, thing, you don't like, get to watch it. Too mainstream for me now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Give Mark Sorry. the garbage nobody wants <laughs> yeah. to watch. Well, you know what's not mainstream. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is because people love Abel Ferreira and William Dafoe. We got... Ferreira's new film, Siberia. Yeah. What do you and think, Mark? This How does this been... rate on the scale of <laughs> well, the fire hose of Able movies that have been coming out in the last few years? Yeah, I think we have, at least here at the store, we, this is the third Able Ferrara release mm. in the last year after Tommaso um, and then the documentary The Projectionist, which we did as, as the blind buy uh, a few months ago, both of which I liked quite a bit. Here he is back again with Willem Dafoe, and I've been more, almost more curious in this one because it was made a few years back. Initially, it was supposed to have Nick Cage in it, too, mm. with Willem Dafoe, and then I guess he dropped out at some point. I'm not sure why. 
And then it was just, it was made, it played like a festival, but it kind of was unreleased. And then the pandemic hit. And I just was wondering when we were ever going to see this. And then Lionsgate just decided to drop it on disc, uh, kind of looking just like a, you like know, any of their A cheap- ripoff of like Cry of the Wild. So this movie is very much unorthodox, I guess you will say. It's like... I guess the best way to describe it is if Abel Ferrara kind of wanted to make a David Lynch movie mm. and a very highly experimental David Lynch movie at that. Um, it's basically his cinematic representation of dreams is mm. what he said about it. So basically, Willem Dafoe plays a bartender in this like kind of remote bar in the wilderness of, I guess, Siberia. And he basically has all these sort of like hallucinogenic interactions with different people from his past, you know. Uh, a child that may be his or may not be, women that he has relationships with. There's a lot of Willem Dafoe getting Mark. it getting it on with. Oh, okay. A lot of Willem Dafoe sex. I was going to interrupt you and say, is it good or not? But I mean, you just said it. If there's a lot you know, of Dafoe sex, <laughs> it's one of those movies. Ooh, finally, my Antichrist um, <laughs> yeah. itch will be scratched. <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, exactly right. I would say this movie is an interesting experience. But I'm not sure I liked it as much. It's one of those movies where it really straddles that line of being like pretentious, and it it often falls over into the yeah, this is just kind of pretentious. Oh, so he he doesn't earn it. Even I'm not sure he earns it because the whole thing. Do you know how long I've been making movies, Mark? I don't have an Abel Ferrer voice. I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's more like hey man, hey what's up, dude? Yeah, Yeah, it's like that. You you don't think I've earned this? I've made movies for like 30 years. Haven't you seen Killer Killer? Hey! Hey! But you know what? I don't know why he's the Fonzie. I know. Hey! But I will say he has earned this because, like the Driller Killer, mm. there is a sense of like freedom to this movie mm. that I really like, and it is—it's so untethered from reality that it can be a little. Uh, it can get caught up in its own bullshit a lot yeah. sometimes. But then it also, I just appreciate the art. It's definitely one of the best looking movies he's made lately. It actually looks stunning. He's got a lot of like really artfully designed uh, locations and sequences. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really hypnotic to even look at. And so I can appreciate that. It does have some of those Lars von Trier kind of antichrist vibes though. Yeah. I think he's like pulling some of those out there. And I just like watching him working with Willem Dafoe. They're just like one of the best like actor director pairings like it's going right now. And hey, I just love Abel Ferrar in general. I will watch anything he makes that comes out. And it's more often than not, even though I don't love everything he makes, it's always an experience. I love how many people will be fooled by this cover. It I is know. shameless. It, it looks like a like bad thriller, right? Like, um, I know. Like a, a frozen thing around yeah, the edges. I know, right? And it like looks cool but it, then it has that like Berlinale kind of mm. stamp on it which is like oh maybe this is more, more than it just classy. but I mean on the back it's like your greatest enemy is the one within it just looks like any random Lionsgate VOD shit so but don't be fooled it's actually if you're a Ferrara fan you're gonna want it so moving stuff. on to something I know Mark is a fan of have you seen this film I'm holding I have it up. I okay, have so we, can so talk we gotta about talk it. quickly about a couple other new movies coming out just because they're of interest to what we usually talk about on this podcast so I heard Hunter Hunter is like hey man this is gnarly you've never seen anything like this is that true dude i don't understand why people like this movie <laughs> i'm gonna be I mean, i'm gonna be real right listen up front we have i did not man like this movie, devin saw in it though. i know you not, love devin not Sawai. only that though nick stahl is also what? in this nick movie stahl and devin nick Sawai? stahl and devin saw who actually have been together in a movie before the very good found footage horror movie 388 arletta avenue <laughs> Strike that as a right <laughs> recommendation. Genuine recommendation. Genuine recommendation. It was from okay. like ten years ago. I played at TIFF even. So this Anyways, movie, Hunter Hunter, is which that. is being released by IFC. IFC. People have yep. said that it's good, right? 
People like this a lot. Mm-hmm. It got a lot of good reviews. It is directed, Canadian film. It's directed by Sean Linden, who we talked about at one point in the past when we did the blind buy for his first movie, Nobody. Remember that? Oh, the, uh, yeah. the, like And we talked about like people Calgary. like Hunter Hunter. Yes, and that's kind of why we were doing that. Um, Hunter Hunter is finally here. And I hadn't seen it at that point, but I was really excited too. I mean, you love Devin Sawa and Love Devin Sawa and Nick Stahl. And I had heard the same things you had, that it's like crazy. And I heard that it kind of changes the like there's a plot twist that kind of sends things in a, in a so different direction. So what I'm direction. getting the sense from you is that it's very miserable. It's very miserable. So basically it starts off as kind of like a killer wolf survivalist mm. type movie. Like it's the this, gray? Yeah. It's You're like, like, oh, phew. Exactly. I didn't get this in Siberia, but I'll get it from right? Hunter Hunter. So it's like this family, Devin Sawa and uh, Camille Sullivan and their daughter, they all live in the woods as like survivalists. And he basically you know, hunts for furs and there's like a deadly wolf out there, basically like the gray, right? That's mm. like preying on them. He finds some dead bodies. You're like, oh, this wolf means business. Oh, but it's a human being. But then it turns out to be something else. That's when Nick Stahl gets involved as like a guy they find out in the wilderness. Who's a wolf like, man, if you will. Or anything. But you know what? Like this movie went exactly where I, th- first of all, I didn't understand any of the motivations of specifically Devin Sawa's character and a lot of the other motivations the twist in it isn't really a twist. It's kind of where you think. You really know where this thing's going okay, the yeah. whole way. And it all just kind of, I think why people are so shocked by it is it does build to a final moment of like really shocking violence. Like there's a really gross kind oh, of I like. I know what it is. You it's know like, what it is. Yeah, like it's a final gore. That. It's a final gore gag. Yeah. Which is good. Like the gore is good, but. It doesn't really do anything mm. for me at that point. Because me and Mark, we have know. gone on record that we like a Serbian film, which Hunter Hunted has been compared to. Has it really? Yes. A Serbian film? Yes. No way. Serbian film. Well, first of all, Serbian film is way grosser than mm-hmm. Hunter Hunter. There's only one gory moment in Hunter mm-hmm. Hunter, and it's okay. at the end. And also, Serbian film has a lot more going on plot-wise. This is just kind of a... As much as I love Devin Sawa and Nick Stahl, and Nick Stahl gets a few moments to go like crazy Nick Stahl, which mm-hmm. I enjoy... It was just too dour and miserable and just not entertaining enough for me. And I didn't understand the point. And I just, I thought it was badly written too. And the way the police act in it is stupid. The way everybody acts in it is just, I don't get the logic behind it. So. And on that note, Mark wanted to dig up uh, the director's works <laughs> a little bit more because this same week we're getting Scare Us, a horror anthology, yeah. which I don't think Mark is going to come with any like big praise of considering no, our, no. Stance, our stance on well, we, horror anthologies as a whole. I, there's no way I would have even watched this movie, which is, yeah, a new film. Uh, which comprises five different anthologies. It kind of revolves around a bookstore where all these people are telling their... They get together for a book club. It's very Are You Afraid of the Dark? Wait, isn't that like the premise of a Netflix movie that came up? Well, there was a movie called Scare Me that Shudder put out about a year ago, which seems about the same thing. This is called Scare Us. (laughs) Very (laughs) Very different. different. A little lower budget. The only reason I mention this and the only reason I watch it, because none of the directors you even really know or anything is that the owner of the bookstore, so the kind of the lead of all the wraparound is segments, you. is Mr. Tom Sandoval from Vanderpump Rules. So <laughs> if all, all my Vanderpump Rules listeners out there, and I know you're out there. So this is not on our list. Look at the description. Tom Sandoval is a big part. He's the number one guy in the group in this Vanderpump Rules, Mark. and he is now the star of a straight-to-DVD horror 
anthology movie, and he's pretty, frankly, pretty awful in it. I but, will have you know. no Vanderpump Rules um, <laughs> advertising on the show. You are, you're just going to stay quiet. Even though I have to quiet. say, co-host of the um, podcast, The Important Cinema Club, Will Sloan, was like, I've been watching Vanderpump Rules. I heard he's getting, I've seen him tweeting about it pretty uh, often nowadays. So, yeah, it seems like, I mean, look, Vanderpump Rules, it takes place in L.A., and it's very film industry related. So I'm not surprised film people are starting to get into it. Uh, but Tom's, if you know Vanderpump Rules, you know Tom Sandoval is definitely a personality, and he gets to put that to somewhat entertaining use. So in this, not a recommendation of scare us, but a recommendation no. of Vanderpump Rules. Exactly. If if you're a Vanderpump Rules fan, you might get some enjoyment Wait, of this. But I will. I will. Yet? No, it's not. I will quickly <laughs> say though, the movie's not good. All the shorts are pretty amateur, except for one, which is excellent. There is one really scary original short in this, and I wish it was just like that one short. And, that's and you're bringing this up because isn't the director did he of Hunter Hunter? He didn't direct one of those shorts. No, right? he so didn't actually. Completely unrelated. Completely different. I just you know you know there was a reality TV connection on the list there. It said, Bring up there scare was... us because of this, and I was like, oh, it must be related. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just like reality TV connection for one. Devin Sawa, Nick Stahl connection for the so, other. So moving on, we've got some Kino Lorber Universal releases, and this is them kind of going into special edition territory, even though the discs do not say it. Yeah. With Two uh, films directed by Tamara Davis. Yeah, who we talked about uh, with That's right, Gun, Gun Crazy, Crazy back in the MVP day. Put it out, and it's uh, probably two of her most popular films: Half Baked and CB4. Yeah, two films I have not seen. Wow, you haven't seen either no. of those. So I actually haven't seen CB4, but I've seen Half Baked. Um, you love Half Baked. You know what? I don't actually love Half Baked. No, I. I as a big fan of stoner comedies, it's actually not one of my favorite stoner comedies. I much prefer things like uh, Smiley Face. It's actually a great one. <laughs> yeah, great that's one. an already stoner well, comedy. Grandma's but... Boy. Oh, okay. A lot Grandma's of fun. Boy. Big fan of Grandma's yeah. Boy. I like Pineapple Express a lot, even mm-hmm. though I don't necessarily like those guys anymore. Oh, but Mark, put I your vape away. I know, I know, right? right Half-Baked, I like a lot of moments of Half-Baked, mm-hmm. but for some reason it's never been like a go-to for me. It's like a comedy that I always revisit, which I know it is for a lot of people. A lot of people really love this movie, Even and though, it's a big Dave Chappelle performance. Isn't Jim Brewer like a right-wing uh, nutsoid these days? I don't days? know anything about Jim Brewer, is he? Yeah, like, I don't he, know him outside of this movie, basically. So I was thinking we were going to come, like, uh, guns blazing with a <laughs> recommendation for this one, but shocked I by mean, your maybe tepid I need reaction. give it another watch, but I don't know. Maybe Whenever I watch it... smoke enough. Yeah, maybe. That's the thing. Yet. I think I saw it before I was, like, a real hardcore stoner, so, yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Kind of Which is really the only way that you could watch these movies, I guess. But, um... I don't know. It's got its moments. I, I like Harlan Williams, and I like the Bob Saget gag where he's like, I suck dick for crack or whatever. It's, you know, <laughs> Did you it's know Bob some... Saget is not a family comedian? Uh, I, I heard that. <laughs> and, I mean, at least this Kino release, I believe it's porting over a bunch of stuff that was on the DVD. Audio commentary was Tamara Davis. Eight outrageous deleted scenes. No, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they were all on the DVD. Uh, five minutes with the guy on the couch. I'm sure that would make sense yeah. if I had seen the movie. Yeah, I know. Granny's Guide to Bacon and different types of smokers. It's the thing. It's one of those movies. I've seen it like two or three times now. And yeah, it just doesn't. I remember it really clearly, but it just doesn't make me laugh like Mm -hmm. 
uh, like ever, you know, these movies should make me laugh. Well, I hear C- whatever, but it's well directed. I hear CB4 is very funny, and I'm surprised that you haven't seen it. Yeah, Listen to this cast: Chris Rock, Phil Hartman, Chris Elliott on the poster. Yeah, the poster. I know it's one of those movies I saw a bunch of clips on TV at the time, mm. and I've seen another movie just like this. Did you have you ever seen Fear of a Black Hat? The rusty I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've heard of it, which I think came out the same year or the year before this, and it's basically the same kind of thing where it's like a mockumentary of like mm. a fake rap group. Um, and I really like Fear of a Black Hat. I thought that was really funny. And for some reason, I just never got around to this one. Um, although I know there's a really, I, I remember there being a really funny scene of Chris Rock kind of recreating his scene in New Jack City, where he's like <laughs> smoking. There's like a shot yeah, in New yeah, Jack City where he's like, you know, getting high because he's like a, a meth head or something in it. And they recreated this to comedic value, which is really, really funny. But that's kind of all I remember about it. But yeah, like Phil Hartman's in this. You get Shaquille O'Neal cameoing, it says on the back. You get Halle Berry. <laughs> Mark's ripping I mean, the packaging Char- up right Charlie now. Mur- you know, Charlie Murphy's right here on the back a big fan of Charlie Murphy mm. from his Chappelle show days so you know this is a movie I actually have it at home I was like hoping to take a look at it before we talked and then I just unfortunately Listen, never yeah, never happened I, yeah I got lost I got lost in watching that Tom Sandoval listeners uh, if you're not in Canada then oh man marijuana so bad but if you're in Canada <laughs> legal you can get it in very legal now. yeah you can get it all over the place remember to vape makes less smell hurts your throat less exactly exactly and also it doesn't bother the people like your neighbors exactly. someone in my building has been smoking a giant cigar every day That's and it reeks like see so yeah I, I'm not into like disturbing my neighbors with like yeah. plumes of smoke all the time so yeah vaping people you know it if you live in crowded spaces like, I know <laughs> it's basically just the set of like like half baked in my apartment. Giant bongs? Um, I haven't personally in a long yeah. time. It feels like a college thing all the time, right? I mean, and- bongs are great to just get like a quick that quick high that you want. So, but I mean, I would never. I don't have a bong now, and I would never get a giant bong. I might get a small bong, mm-hmm. like one of those cute little. I remember small being bongs. in my friend's house and those disgusting things. Oh, that I know. Been well, in I had years. like one with my roommates in university, and they got so nasty. <laughs> God, so, and one time we just left it outside on the balcony, like was all, it just covered in all throughout winter, basically. Winter. And we were like, oh, whatever, it thawed out and everything. And then we went to take it off the table. It just like cracked in half. It just like unfused. I'm glad itself. it killed itself. It killed itself, so basically. It. It's fine. You know, it was it was nasty. So. Mercy killing. <laughs> well, yeah. that's it for all of the releases at Bay Street Video this week. That's all we got. That's all we got. The that's movies we mentioned. We, you, know, you know, there were more there that we liked, I think, than what yeah. we did. And if you go through the list, it's in the description of this, or you can also check it out at baystreetvideo.com. There's more movies, probably some World War II films. Thankfully, I don't have to talk about them anymore. Uh, yeah, a lot of Mae West stuff. Oh, no, I do see one. The Tunnel, uh, 2019. No, that's a disaster. That's it a is? Norwegian disaster movie, okay, so actually, which I saw movie. and is not very good. But if, <laughs> okay. you, if you like The Wave and The Quake, like those kind of movies, nope. it's like one of those, yeah. <laughs> uh, why? Why are there so many of these? Are people it's like a them? boom now. Norway okay. just loves the disaster movies. This the tunnel is like a bad ripoff of daylight, though, which was never very good in the first place. <laughs> All right, well, that's it for this week. You can now walk into Bay Street Video. You can with a mask, though, please. Yes. Please. Is there a, a limit? Five people. We're still at four because okay, we're four. waiting. We can up it a little bit, but we're waiting until everybody here gets like fully doubly vaxxed and you know past their fourteen day incubation mm-hmm. period, and then we can up it to seven. 
Seven. Yeah. I think that's what the yeah. It's like twenty five percent capacity. Have, like more than seven people. In well, the that's store. the thing, right? You know, yeah. even with their four limit, we don't usually have a lot of lineups. Yeah. But and if we do, it's usually just like one more person. So mm. it's like five. But people are like, please, I just want my copy of the tunnel. I, <laughs> I know, it. I need it. I need that disaster. All right. So until next week, my name is Justin Clue. and I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Devin Sawa movies. In person. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Oh, Devin Sawa in person? In person. We're going to, yeah, he's going to do he's a sign. He lives in Canada now, hunted. right? He's actually on Twitter. He's very he's active very on Twitter. Active on yeah. Twitter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a Dev, uh, Devin Sawa uh, renaissance. Yeah, exactly. Well, after his performance in The Fanatic, right? That mm, was the yeah. first. That was the should've first one. Should have gotten some Oscar nominations. Should have, yeah. <laughs>